Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. Open your Bibles if you've got them with you, and I hope you do, to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to try to bring a little bit about the retreat if you don't know it. Some of you prayed, and we certainly greatly appreciate the prayer team. We had 27, I think it was, people go up to the mountains that are part of the worship department the last few days and pursue God. Mostly, it was to uh, you know, pursue Him so that they could be healed and made whole and, and really uh, God uh, 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 catapult us. Thank you. Thank you catapult us into uh, the place that he's, that, he's, that he's taking you. How many of you know that God doesn't want you to stay where you are? He doesn't want you to, to stay in the same place that you are. He wants you to move forward in him, and he wants you to, he wants you to experience fullness. He wants you to experience abundance. That's hard for us sometimes, you know. We... we, we, we um, we have a hard time with that. I don't know why that is. I, do, I, I, I can tell you why, but I don't know why. I can tell you why, but I don't know why. Does that make sense? I, you know, you know, we know why, but we don't know why we let it be the why. You know what I mean? You know, why, why is that the why? I mean, that's, that's pretty stupid. So was that, preacher. So, But anyway, <laughs> Isaiah 61, Jesus says about himself, he says, I came to set the captives free. I came this is why I came in Isaiah 61. He begins to give a list. He talks about it in, in Matthew where he, he really proclaims the beginning of his ministry and why he came. And um, we were singing a song just a minute ago, and the title of the message is, Jesus is my inheritance. Everything that Jesus did, everything that God has done, one of the things that you need to recognize that everything God has done from the beginning of time is your inheritance. You need to begin to own that inheritance. In other words, everything that was done with all the prophets, everything that was done with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, everything that was done with uh, Moses as he comes through the desert, the desert and, and, and is delivered, that is your inheritance. How many of you know that we serve the same God? Hebrews says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. He's got character. He's got nature. He's got a design for the church. He's got a design for the church. And if you're the church, he has a design for you. Now, the hard part for us sometimes is to realize that that includes abundance. And in our culture, I think it is even more difficult because what we do is we assign an image to what abundance looks like. And when, and when that image doesn't come true of what abundance looks like or prosperity looks like, then we are disappointed. And we've been singing all morning that God wants us to dance on our disappointments, right? And so what I want you to understand is, uh, is that God is the one who brings the abundance. You see, what we do is we try to say, okay, 
I'm a child of God. I'm going to force the abundance. I'm going to strive for abundance. I'm going to try to bring in the abundance. And God says, that's not how the way it works. How it works is, is you surrender to me. You walk with me. You listen to me. You have fellowship with me. You have relationship with me. And I'm going to go grab the abundance and I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to bring it to you. Deuteronomy is a book written by Moses, and it's your inheritance. And this is what he says. This is what he does. It was the last four months of Moses' life that the book of Deuteronomy was written. And it was written to the church so that we would remember what our inheritance is. We would remember who we are in God. We would remember what God's purposes are for us. And then we would remember that it was the mighty hand of God who brought those things about. It had nothing to do with anything that we did outside of surrendering ourselves, our lives, and paying attention and committing to the ways and, and, and making sure that our heart was loyal to our God. And then when we do that, he says, I part the sea. I defeat the enemy. I bring abundance from the sea. He says, I'll even, I, this, is, this is what I love. He says, I'm even going to take the riches of your enemy, and I'm going to bring that to you. And so, let me just read Isaiah 61, and then I'll go a little bit from there. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has proclaimed freedom to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. In Zion, to comfort those who mourn who are part of the church. To give them beauty for ashes, for the oil of joy for mourning. The anointing, anytime you see oil in scripture, the anointing of joy for ashes. Things that have been seem to be burnt up and destroyed. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? So that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And so Jesus comes to do all these things. So if he came to do all these things, oftentimes hear and see, whether you say it or not, I hear people in the church say, so then what, what am I missing? They ask the question, what, what am I missing? Why, why am I still in the same place that I've always been? They ask a question oftentimes, you know, where are you, God? You know, where are you, God, in my circumstances? Because it just doesn't seem like these things that you came for are happening to me. You know, everything that you see that we just read is a replacement 
He says, I'm going to take this and I'm going to replace it with this. I'm going to take this and I'm going to replace it with this. And there's a moving from a place of lack to a place of abundance in some regard in what Jesus came to do. And so why is it that we fall short? And the reason I think it is is, is because of a lot of different things. But the, the first thing that, that it might be, let me turn the page. I ain't even got my notes out. Let me turn the page. The first thing is just stubbornness and rebellion. Stubbornness and rebellion. Because we've always been, you know, you, you can relate to me on that, right? You can relate to me on that, right? Stubbornness and rebellion. I've always been this way. You know, I don't want to move. I don't like change. I, you know, comfort, all that stuff. Some of us, it's just, you know, it's, we just stiff neck right by nature. You know, there's really no reason for me to be stubborn. I just like being stubborn. I'm just going to be stubborn. I mean, because I'm in charge. I'm in charge of this thing. I don't have to do what you want me to do. It's just, it's like, why don't we shift into that? It's just like it goes, tick. Somebody say something and we just go, whoosh. That's a rebellious nature. That's the flesh. It's the, it's the rebellious nature, right? Does that make sense? Y'all don't deal with that, I'm sure. Rebellion. Rebellion does that. God asks us to do something, and we immediately resist. And there's this pattern of resistance. And so that can be one cause of it. Another cause is just unbelief. We don't really know whether we believe that God's promises and inheritance is really for us. You know, we haven't really bought into that. When I mean believe, believe actually has the... The idea that you begin to order your life by it. It's not just a thought. You just don't think that that's a possibility. What you begin to do is you begin to order your life about it. And so, and so a lot of times the reason that we find ourselves in a place is that we just have unbelief. And, there, and, and in that unbelief, in that absence of faith, I think there's a reason and I think the reason has to do with the captives and the prisoners. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about just a minute. There's a difference between a captive and a prisoner. A prisoner is somebody who deserves to be in jail. You've done something that puts you in prison. You've made a choice. You've acted out. You've done something that is contrary to, uh, to what is righteous, what is right, and it and you have to pay the penalty for it. And so you go to prison. You go to prison by it. And, and, and that's what a prisoner does. A captive is held captive, is a POW. They're, you're, you're, you're taking captive by something. You know, something else comes in that you didn't have anything to do with and arrests you for no reason and puts you in prison. And so there's prisoners and there's captives. Some of us are, are held captive and we have unbelief because of situations and things that somebody else did to us. And some of, the, some of the biggest things that I see in our culture today is sexual sin, where we were abused. Sometimes it's a verbal sin. Sometimes it's the wounds of a father or a mother or, may, or a close relative, somebody we know. Maybe it's a brother or sister. But there's these wounds that come to us that we're held captive by that we had absolutely nothing to do with. 
Maybe it was poverty. Maybe it was the fact that you that that, that you're you know that, that some that you hear stories all the time that their parents were either drug addicts or alcoholism. Oftentimes, will hold children captive in a situation when they had nothing to do with it, and they're they're reaping the results of that captivity. They're held captive by it. And so there's that, that, that whatever reason you're in prison, whether you're a prisoner or whether you're a captive, the reason you have unbelief is somehow you've been convinced that that disqualifies you. You become convinced that, that because this happened to you or this is your circumstance or, or this is what you gave up, then somehow you can't, you can't inherit everything that you need to inherit. Somehow you're limited by that inheritance, and so you keep yourself in that prison. We've been talking about this. We talked about this to the worship team, and there was 27 of us that I know are pursuing God hard, and, they, and, they ha- and they're struggling with this. I mean, all of us struggle with this. We've got to learn how to deal with this. And, and as a church, I just want to tell you, this is what we're about. We're about freedom. We're, we're about everybody being set free. We're about the captives and the prisoners being set free. That's why Jesus came. He, he wants us, now y'all need to hear me, the, the instrument of freedom is the cross. It's the blood of Jesus. But too many people stop right there. The blood of Jesus is not why he came. He came to let the blood free us. The blood is freedom. He didn't say, I came to die. He said, I came to live. It's not death. It's life. It's not curse. It's blessing. And we get sucked into this thought that we're undeserving. Unworthy. Well, let's take that through a minute. If we were unworthy, would God have sent his only son to die for you if you were unworthy? You see, you were disqualified by your sin, but you were worthy of salvation. That's good, isn't it? You were disqualified, but not unworthy. For God so loved you. For God so thought you were worth it that he sent his only son. And there's, a, there's this whole idea that somehow we're disqualified. And it, and, and it keeps us in that prison. And so we don't receive the blessing. The biggest thing that we talked about on the retreat, and I want the church to get it, 
is that all spiritual blessings in heavenly places are yours. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places are yours. The full inheritance of Jesus Christ is yours. Turn to somebody and sell that to them. The full inheritance, say it, the full inheritance of Jesus Christ is yours. You are a son and a daughter of God. Nothing has been withheld from you. You know, when you start thinking about a will, a last will and testament, and you're the beneficiary, let's say, just of a life insurance policy of $100,000, right? What part of that $100,000 are you not able to receive if you are the beneficiary of that life insurance policy? You receive it all. Nobody else has any more rights. You are the right holder. The same is true for the blood of Jesus. That was his last will and testament. He made you the beneficiary of his, of his penalty. And everything is yours. It's all yours. So why aren't you getting it? So why isn't it happening for you? <laughs> I'm sitting there laughing because I got like, you know, 10 different directions I can go and I've got 15 minutes. <laughs> Don't be sorry, brother. That was good. In Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let me, let me do this. Let me go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. You don't have to open your Bibles. I'm just going to tell you what it says. God says this about you and your inheritance. He says, you've been where you are for long enough. He says this. It's in there. You've been where you're at for long enough. You've been there long enough. Get ready for the journey. Start the journey. And he says this. He says, Look, I love the way it's written. It's written in, I think it's uh, verse 6. Uh, he says, you know, he says 6. He says, you've been there long enough. 7, he says, turn and take your journey. I love that whole word too. 7, turn. You've been where you're at long enough. Turn. See. In verse 8, he says, he says, look, look, open your eyes. Jesus said, I came to, set, to give sight to the blind. You think he's just talking about physical sight? Or do you think he might be talking about the ability to see kingdom? I came to open your eyes so that you could see. And God says, see, I've set before you the land of promise. I've set it out here. Your inheritance is set before you. Look, see it. It's yours. Now, go possess the land. Right. 
the reason that so many are still in the same place is they haven't they 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 made a profession of faith in Christ. They said, I believe that Jesus is the Savior and He died for my sin. But they stopped, that's where their journey ended. And God says, I got a land of abundance. I've got I've got incredible opportunities for you. I've got things that I want you to see about who I am. I want you to be transformed into my nature. There's so much about the kingdom that I want to not only show you, but I want to advance through you. There's just, there's stuff out there that's amazing if you'll just turn and start the journey and begin to take the land. You've got to go possess the land. And what we do is we don't possess the land because we believe that somehow we deserve to be in prison. We, deserve, we, we think that the land that we're living in is the land that we deserve. And God says, that's not what I've got for you. He says, turn and begin the journey and go possess the land. So let me just go over some really quick things about how to turn and what we've been doing with each other as we, as we pray for each other, as we, as we f have empathy for each other's condition and what, what we've experienced in life and, and where God wants to take us. There's a, there's a way... To, to, to do things. And the first thing that you've got to do is that you've got to see it. You've got to recognize that you've been where you are for too long. You've got to have some semblance of dissatisfaction where you are. You've got to say, I know that I know that I know that this is not God's best for me. And I'm not going to live here any longer. So I'm going to turn, and that's called repentance. I'm going to turn, and I'm going to begin to walk in faith. And when you walk in faith, what you're saying by walking in faith is I'm going to quit believing the lies, and I'm going to start believing the truth. And I've got to be able to see the lies and believe the truth. So I've got to turn from the lies turn toward the truth, and begin a journey. I've got to go possess the truth. Right? You tracking with me? And so that's, that's the first step that we've got to do is to turn and possess and offer, offer yourself to God in a relationship. The second thing is that we have to begin to forgive others and ourselves for our captivity. You can never inherit the land of promise and the full inheritance of what God has for you with bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. And I know sometimes that is a very difficult thing and I'm not taking it lightly and I don't want you to think I am for one second. But it is what keeps you in prison. It is what holds you captive. It, it's what frees forgiveness in your own life. Forgive and you will be forgiven. God says you set those precedents in your own life. Do not check out on me right here. 
You have to forgive. You cannot hold bitterness. And that, that goes across the board. Now listen, there are some of you in the room whose mate has experienced childhood trauma. There's some of you in the room who may have to deal with the consequences of your spouse having to grow up in an alcoholic environment. And there was a tremendous verbal abuse. There was all kinds of things that were going on. There's sexual abuse. There's, all kind of, there's physical abuse. There's all kinds of those things that are going on. And they need your help to, to forgive. They need you to walk with them, to understand them, to, to not settle for bitterness and unforgiveness or the fruit that it bears in your household. But there's got to be forgiveness so that there's no bitterness so that you can go to the land of promise. And that's step one. You might want to write these down. Step one is forgiveness and faith. Step two, I mean, uh, repentance and faith. Step two is forgiveness. You've got to forgive. And then, and then you've got to, and you know, it's a, it's a tough word, um, but I'm going to try to make it make sense. It's, it's renounce. You have to renounce it, and, and, and it's really easy to, 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 to do when we say, you know, we say, I, I just, I, I renounce that. I, I don't believe that. That's not the truth. You can do it with your words, but you've got to do it with your heart. So you repent. You have faith. You turn. You forgive, and then you renounce the lie. You've got to recognize it. You've got to see it. And you've got to say, <laughs> I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not believing that anymore. That's not true for me. That's not God's best for me. That's not my inheritance. Y'all hear me? You've got to renounce it. You know how much we did this with the leaders of this church? You know how much we had to renounce of the lies that the devil had told leadership that we had bought into because it's so woven into our culture. It's so woven into everything we do. It just it consumes us if we don't watch out, if we don't keep our eyes open. It, it gets a hold of us. And we've got to renounce what's not true about what God says about us. And then and then we've got to take authority over it. In other words, we're replacing it. What we're saying is we're replacing, we're renouncing the lie, and we're replacing it with truth. We are putting what God says about it over us. In other words, you don't deserve prison, and you don't deserve captivity. You don't deserve lack. You deserve abundance. You don't deserve curses. You deserve blessing. And oftentimes... What we think, it, we call, and I'm, I'm guilty of this big time, and this is huge in your life. This is huge in your life. We call God's blessing a curse. I can't tell you how many people 
say, you know, I've really got this, I got really got this skill, but I'm stuck in this place in my skill. You know, God has really blessed me in this area, but I just can't seem to get over the hump. And they so focus on the hump and the thing that they can't get in, it begins to weigh them down. It ties them down. It keeps them from becoming anything that they ever could have become. And they start looking at what God gave them as a curse instead of a blessing over time. And then they feel like they just can't meet God's standards or expectations. Anybody ever felt that way? I mean, you know, we were dealing with creative people this weekend, so it was every element of creativity. You know, like writer's block and, you know, all, all those kind of things that come up as if God's not big enough to release that. And there was a beautiful illustration given by the great prophet Bill Dingle. And, and it, was, it was in lieu of something similar to this. Isn't that amazing right there? That's just, isn't that amazing? care what you think you have to offer him and just because you give it to him he's gonna love it yeah. you say well i'm not very good at it <laughs> you just begin to offer yourself you begin to follow him you begin to do the illustration was this how many of you got grandchildren in the room how many of you have uh children in the room all right, if you've got grandchildren or children, raise your hand. Okay, now, if you know somebody that has grandchildren or children, raise your hand. Okay, good. Now, that's all of us. All right, good. If my grandbaby draws me a little color in a picture right there, you think I'm going to look at that and go, that, that really stinks. You think I'm going to, any kind of good father is going to rip it up and say, that's not, that's not talented? That's, that's, yeah. Or do you think just possibly their heart is full? And he says, wow. How special is that? She did this for me. She did it for me. Do you think he might look at it and go, wow, I can't watch her. I can't wait to watch her develop. I can't wait to see what I can do in her. As she pursues me, if she'll just keep coming to me. Is that not good? So why are you disqualified? Why do you think you don't measure up? Because you've bought into a lie. And you've got to renounce the lie and state the truth. And the devil's going to keep doing it. He did it to Jesus. If you are the son of God, if you are, you know what God said about Jesus? This is my beloved son. The devil left that part out, didn't he? If you are, he didn't say, if you are the beloved 
son. He just said that you're the son. That's big. Let me just say that one more time. I don't think you got it. God said about Jesus, this is my beloved. And the devil said, he left the love part out. If you're, my, if you're our God's son, then do this. He's going to keep doing it to you, and you've got to renounce it. <laughs> then you've got to take authority over it, and then you've got to go possess the blessings of God. How do you possess the blessings of God? You surrender, you believe, you listen, and you do. You, you, you've got to do what he says do. You've got to be loyal to his way. This is what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 30. As Moses is writing, reminding the church about their inheritance. He says this, I've laid before you. Remember, he said in chapter 1, see the promises. In chapter 30, I've laid before you blessing and curses. You choose. You choose. You choose. The inheritance is yours. You choose. Father, <coughs> give us vision. Give us the reality. Open our eyes. You've opened the cage of the door of the cage. We're free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. There's no authority, authority on heaven or on earth that is greater than the authority that you possessed at the cross when you broke the power of sin and death. You say, God, in John 10, 10, that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came to give us life and give it to the full. Why did you come, Jesus, to give us life to the full? Say that with me. To give me, to give me life to the full. Today, Lord, say this with me. Today, Lord, I choose life. I choose blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.